All right, I want to invite you to take your Bibles and turn to the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John, and this morning we're going to begin a study of that Gospel. Um, my intention is not to go over every single word, but to get the message of what John is saying. And so there are, um, there are some times, John was really good about writing really long chapters, like 50 and 60 verses and things like that. So there'll be some days that we actually cover a whole chapter like that. And so I just want you to know from the onset that, that we're not going to cover every single word. What we're going to try to do is capture the message and what was going on at that particular time. Um, it has been long held that the Apostle John, the, the beloved disciple, uh, John, the brother of James, that it was John that wrote the gospel. Now, in these l later days, people have begun to question things like that. There have even been people that have tried to say that maybe the gospel of John was written sometime in the second century. Um, and all of that, I believe, is really just an attempt to, to discredit what John himself is saying here in, in the message of Jesus in this gospel. So there's never been any compelling reason from any kind of evidence to think that this isn't what it says that it is. And what is it? Well, John told us exactly why he wrote his gospel. He told us the reason... Um, from the very beginning, he paints such a very clear picture of the divine Jesus. And then at the, at the end of the book, in John chapter 20, uh, he actually tells us why he wrote the book so that we can understand his purpose. And so there's no point in having you know, some scholars say, well, this is why John wrote the book, because John told us why he wrote the book. He says in John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31, he says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are, written, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you might have life in his name. Jesus in this book is God, and John wrote this book so that we can be saved. That's the whole purpose of it. So it is very directly, whereas Matthew and, and Mark and Luke are are, they're telling the story. They're giving you a historical account of the life of Jesus. John is preaching to you. And, and from the very beginning, that's what his goal is. That's what he states as, as, as his plan is to tell you who Jesus is so that you'll believe on him and be saved. And so the purpose of this book makes it dangerous uh, to the forces of Satan. And, and, and don't think that, it's not, that, that Satan isn't working against people when they begin to study a book like this because at the, at, the, at the very beginning, all the way through, John is telling us what we need to know in order to be saved. He is, he is telling us about the life of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus, and what Jesus said specifically concerning salvation. So for us... We have to realize that this book will be attacked, and so people will ask questions. Um, John probably wrote this gospel much later than the other gospels. Uh, most likely when he was at Ephesus late in the first century, he wrote this book. And so it is from a, a, a number of decades of reflection on the life of Jesus. John was a young man when he was following Jesus around Galilee and around Jerusalem, but he was an old man when he wrote this book. And so what we see is a person that was just still mesmerized by Jesus of the magnitude of his ministry, but he'd had a lot of time 
to come up with a way to say some of the things that he needed to say. And so John makes it pretty clear. Now, his audience um, is going to be a Hebrew audience or at least people that are biblically literate. So that'll help us understand a little bit. So there are some references to the Old Testament. There are some references to things that only the, the people that know the word would actually be able to understand. But we're going to look deeply in this message and we're going to see our God making a way for our salvation. That is what John is showing us even in this very first opening passage here. Um, so today we're going to see this connection that Jesus has with the Father. So there, we know that there is God and we know that there is Son. How are they connected? Uh, where, where do they stand in relation to one another? We're also going to see uh, what sort of reception Jesus had on this earth. We're going to go ahead and be able to see that, you know, how people received him. We're going to see what happens when people actually believe in Jesus. And finally, we're going to see what Jesus can teach us specifically about the Lord himself. So the sermon in a sentence is this. Jesus is the center of this world. And if we are to be saved, we must or he must become the center of our lives. And so, when we read this passage, I, 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 want it, I want it to become clear that Jesus has been from the beginning, and he has existed, and he has worked, and he has had a part in everything that God has done, all the way even to this present age. So, technically, we're preaching on John chapter 1, verse 1 through 5, and then 9 through 18, because uh, 6, 7, and 8 actually deal with John the Baptist, and we're going to deal with all the verses that deal with John the Baptist next week. So um, I will read them, because I'm not going to just skip verses, but I will read them again next week when we actually talk about John the Baptist. Um, so we're going to begin John chapter 1, verse 1 uh, through verse 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was... In the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cries out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Okay, 
So we'll talk about the beginning first. So we'll cover the first five verses here. Um, it's important for us to know that, that each gospel is written for a particular audience. Um, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they, they're each writing towards a particular audience, and John is as well. John is writing to a, a group that would be at least biblically literate, uh, and, and we can see this um, because not all people would have been Jews, but all people would have known that when John chooses to start his book with, in the beginning, that is very important. It is, it is very Jewish, it is very Old Testament, in the beginning. Now we know that the book of Genesis starts with that same phrase, in the beginning. And in fact, it is, it is so synonymous that that is part of the Hebrew name, the beginning. So um, when John says this, we know that that helps us understand his scope. Uh, so each gospel has a scope as well. When we look at, for example, Matthew, Matthew goes all the way back to Abraham and he tracks Jesus' genealogy to modern times or, or, or to, to the current day. Um, Luke goes all the way back to Adam and, and changes it to the, or tracks it all the way to the current day. Mark, however, just throws you right into the mix. You're already in Galilee, you're already ministering. Um, he just gets you right into the fight right away. Um, but John goes all the way back to the beginning in the beginning. So we're going back before creation. We're going back before there was a world or mankind or anybody that even needed saving. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So John's scope is, is very great uh, when he begins this. So one of the first things that John mentions is the Word. So in the beginning was the Word. Uh, so what is this word? Now, the Greek word for that is logos. And so what does that mean? Um, it's important that we know that by this time, the church was dealing with a particular heresy. Heresy is something that goes against what the Bible teaches. And, and, and Gnosticism was this, this heresy. And without getting into detail, because we've talked about it a number of times, Gnosticism was this idea that there's, there's the secret knowledge. And if you have this knowledge, then you can be saved. It is more knowledge than what you can find in the Bible. It's something secret. You can, you, you can never really explain it. You can never tell it to anybody else. It has to be granted to you. So it's like this secret password that doesn't really exist or the secret handshake that boys would have for their clubs that didn't really exist in those kinds of things. It was that kind of secret knowledge. And so people said they had it, they claimed they had it, so then they could do whatever they wanted to because they knew they were going to heaven because they had this knowledge. Well, John is saying there is one word. There is one truth. Now, logos could mean, it could mean knowledge. Um, it could mean teaching. Um, it, 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 could, it could mean history. It could mean understanding. It could mean conversation. Um, but what Jesus, or what John is saying here is that Jesus is that. He is the full word. He is the final word. There is no extra knowledge. There's nothing secret out there that you have to know. There, there are no secret handshakes. There's no secret password. There's not a separate history that certain people know. Jesus has revealed everything to us. And so John begins with that. So what we need to understand um, is that, that this knowledge, this word um, of, of Jesus is the truth and the Lord himself is truth. Throughout the years, there have been different ways that the church has needed to hear this and needed to understand this. Um, th th there have been these temptations in the past, I think, for people to read a little bit of Bible and to read a lot of Christian literature. 
Um, whereas they read a, a, a little bit and then they'll spend more time in a devotion or in you know, some Christian book you know, written by a pastor or written by something that, 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 that's a little bit easier for them to digest and, and to take in. Well, those are beneficial in their place, but ultimately we need to take in the Word of God. That is the staple of a Christian diet. That is what we need. There have been other times where people have tried to come alongside the Word of God and supplement it with other truth. Um, I, I've, I've seen this in different times where people have tried, tried to take science and, and, and show how science and the Bible agree on certain areas, or, or they've, they've, they've tried to take um, other disciplines or schools of thought and, and make them agree with the Bible in some way or another. Well, in our current age, there are certain philosophies floating around that people are trying to make blend in together. And so you've probably heard me say words like social gospel uh, or, or critical race theory, things like that. Well, people are, are using some of those concepts and they're saying that we understand the Bible better now because we know these things. Should Christians help the poor? Absolutely. Absolutely. But do we need that framework in order to understand that Jesus saves us from sin? We don't need that. So the reality is, God is the truth. We do not need any other man-made philosophies to help us understand God's truth. Um, I remember uh, when, when I was at the University of Mobile, a very, uh, to me, a very great speaker, his name was Paige Patterson, he came to the University of Mobile, they called these the Staley Lectures, and he came in and he began to, to lecture. And we were probably required to go, that's most likely why I was there to begin with. But as I began to listen, this guy started really saying things that blew my mind. Well, what he was doing was giving the, the, the Thomas Aquinas arguments for the existence of God. He had made five arguments, and, and they, were, they were pretty basic from things like motion to things like design and things like that. And by the time he was done, I thought, wow. Obviously, God exists. There's no way that anybody could deny that. And then, like a really good speaker, he says, so, so you probably are sitting here agreeing with me, but what you need to know is that these are man-made philosophies. You don't need this to believe in God. God says that he exists, exists in his word, and that's what we need. These man-made philosophies, they have their problems and they have their flaws. And so it kind of like, oh, that's right. We don't need man to supplement God. That's not how that works. God is not a supplement, and he will not be supplemented. God is. He is the truth. And so Jesus is the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So if you've ever heard anyone say, all you need is Jesus, well, that is true. We do not need the thoughts and the input of the world. In fact, we are the ones that are supposed to be speaking truth into the world, not listening to the world's version of truth and then mingling it in with our teachings and with our words. That is backwards, or put more bluntly, that is heresy. Maybe even blasphemy. We cannot do that. We must take the Word of God as it is given and proclaim it to the world. That's what we're charged to do. So when we look at, it says, the Word, we have to understand that this Word, this, this knowledge, this teaching, this truth, all of this, this is, this is Jesus. And so when He comes and He begins to speak truth, that truth is the truth. It's not a truth. It's not part of the truth. What Jesus says is the truth. And so Jesus Himself is presenting what we should believe. If we read what Jesus says, 
That's not a matter for debate. That's not a matter for mixing it with something else or balancing it with the world's current philosophy. Because if there's one thing that is more fickle than Alabama weather, it's mankind's philosophy about how life should be lived. If you don't like the weather in Alabama, they say, wait just a minute, it'll change. Well, if you don't like the way mankind's thinking, wait a minute, he'll change that too. But at the end of the day, Jesus does not change. His truth has been from the beginning, and it remains to this day. Jesus is the Word. So, when we look at this, this idea, people have always tried to lower um, the, the view of Jesus. People have tried to say that Jesus isn't God, or that Jesus was just a good teacher. Um, but John puts Jesus on the very same level as God, and that is something that must be upheld. A weak view of Jesus leads to a weak view of the gospel. And without a, weak, without a strong view of the gospel, why go out and proclaim it? If Jesus is just something that I add to my life, I've, I've heard people say things like I had a Jesus-shaped hole in my heart. Jesus isn't part of your heart. He is, he is your heart. He is the center of your heart. He is replacing things that need to be replaced. Things that need to get out, Jesus comes in and replaces that. And so... We are not adding Jesus to our lives. We are surrendering our lives over to him. And so when people start trying to let, lower Jesus, then they can lower his teachings. His teachings aren't bound, binding. Um, we must be sure to, to be true to the biblical information about Jesus. Again, a weak view of Jesus leads to a weak view of the gospel. So Jesus is God, creator, giver of life, teacher of the higher things. So... To say that Jesus is creator, so again it says in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, he was in the beginning with God, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So Jesus has been involved all the way back to creation, to say that Jesus made the world. Um, when we think about the world, in the first century, many people probably thought that the world was flat. They also thought that what they could see with their eyes was all there was. People began to explore, you know, ideas of the solar system. Later, there began to be this idea that maybe the earth wasn't the center, but maybe the sun was, and things revolved around that. And so at some point, humanity throughout this um, scientific enlightenment that happened in the 1500s, 1600s, people began to recognize, whoa, wait a minute, there's a solar system out there. And, and, and there was a time even at that that people thought that was all there was. But there are a lot of solar systems out there. According to current estimates, there are 12 quadrillion solar systems. That's a billion millions. Even with these new stimulus packages, I can't figure out that much math. And I'm going to tell you, there, are, there is a lot out there. Our God is an amazing God. He has created more than we can ever imagine, and he is ruler over all of it. And so when Jesus comes to this earth, although he appeared to be humble, he was still God. 
ruler of everything. Not just the things that we can see, but the things that we can't see. So if you'd have, if you'd have told John just how big of a universe that, that, that God had actually made, he would have accepted it, but he would have been so blown away that he probably wouldn't have said anything for three years as he's processing how much greater God is than he could have ever even imagined. And, and now we take that in stride because we know the world is big because we had a Hubble telescope take a picture for, for a, a long ways away and we think that we know things. We don't know anything. We don't know anything about what God has made. We don't know the magnitude. We don't know the scope of what God has made. But as we learn more about what God has made, we can be even more awestruck by His majesty. We have to know that we have an amazing God. And so He is pre-existent. He's eternal. He is God. Jesus is God. That is so important. And, and, and as we get into this, when we see, and by the way, I didn't tell you the title. The title is God Became Man. When we see this, it is important for us to recognize that, that he is what is the center. Jesus is not part of God's plan. Certainly wasn't some, some plan B. Oops, man sin. Now what are we going to do? Oh, thanks, Jesus, for stepping up and being a leader. That's not at all how that conversation went. Jesus was part of the plan from the very beginning. Jesus is the eternal creator God. His revelation of the Father brings light into the world that has been darkened by sin. Notice what he says here. He says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. One of the problems of mankind always has been understanding that we are in darkness and that we need light. Because we, we can see in front of us, we can, we can see what's, what's going on right now, but we can't see what we need to see. We can't see what's next. We can't see what's eternal. And that is what Jesus does is he brings that light, lets us see what is eternal, what is real, and what is true. And so... As we go, I'm going to actually skip the, the next three verses, 6, 7, and 8. We'll talk about those next week. Um, we're going to start back talking in verse 9, and we're going to be looking at tragedy and triumph. So Jesus is the light that reveals the truth about God and the lies of sin. So what this world tells us is almost always a lie. I'm sure they mix a truth in there every now and then just to keep you honest. But for the most part, what they're telling us is, is, is a lie. What God is telling us is always, always true. Jesus is revealing the light. He reveals things that have been hidden. And because of him, we know the way back to the Father. There is, there is normal and there is right. We know the difference. We know what normal feels like. We know what normal feels like because that's what we do. That's what we naturally do. But what is right is usually that higher calling, that, that, more, that more strenuous standard that is, that is set. And so living our lives under our control is normal. Now, hopefully all of us have turned our lives over to Jesus Christ and, and, and he is our savior now. But sometimes we are still tempted to go back to normal we're tempted to go back to that way where we make our decisions we do what we do and then we then we worship him uh, on, on occasion we need to be sure that we are following Jesus we are following his light it says the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world so we need to follow his truth if you had a choice between walking in light and walking in darkness 
you would choose light so that you don't stumble, so that you don't trip, so that you don't make mistakes, so that you don't get lost. It's possible to get lost in the dark even if you know where you're going. But the reality is Jesus has brought us light. He has brought us something that, that we can see. So when he came into the world, he was coming to the place that he himself had made. Remember, Jesus made all things. Nothing was made that wasn't made with him, wasn't made by him. So Jesus came to the place that he made, and this place didn't know him. This place didn't recognize him. The world did not know its maker. Now, if that wasn't sad enough, it goes on to say that Jesus came into his own, and his own people didn't know him. Jesus didn't, you know, show up somewhere in uh, Spain and just say, hey, I'm God, and, you know, nobody's ever heard of God. Jesus showed up among his own people and declared who he was, and they didn't know him. They didn't recognize him. So the question is, did, did Jesus do enough to show people that he was the Messiah? Absolutely he did enough to show people who was the Messiah. But they did not recognize him. They did not know him. And that is the tragedy. What is so sad is that he made it clear that he was the Messiah and they simply did not know him. Every person needs to know Jesus. But sadly, many people will refuse to know him until they see him high and lifted up. The people that had the opportunity to see Jesus face to face on the earth, that's an amazing thing. But we can know him also. We can know his message. We can know his word. But I tell you, there are many, many people who reject the true Jesus. There are people that walk around carrying the name Christian that reject the true Jesus. They say that they are believers, but they reject his truth. They do not follow what he has taught. And because of that, they too are lost. They too do not know him. Just as it said, he came into his own and his own did not know him. You know, those that believed in Jesus, this is where the triumph comes in. Those that believe in Jesus, they were given the right to be called children of God. Now, what does John mean? In verse 12, he says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Now, that's another thing that the, the Israelites were called, the children of God. And so does that mean that they were brought into that nation, that, that ethnic re religious nation? Is that what that means? No, because in verse 13 it says, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So what this means is that these were not people that were you know, born descendants of Abraham. This doesn't mean that these were people who had chosen to be descendants of Abraham. They'd, they'd, they'd converted from whatever paganism they'd served into uh, Judaism. This doesn't mean that they were married in, if they were from some other religion or some other people or faith, and they had married into Judaism. That's not what this means. What this means is that God brought them in. He grafted them in. One thing that's so important about the Gospel of John is he has certain words. He has words that matter. Life, light, grace, grafted, vine. They're so important as you understand his message. And so God grafted the people in. Those that, that, that believed in Jesus, accepted him as Savior, God has grafted them in. So they have been chosen they have been they have been brought in in a way that not even the israelites were brought in and so that's the picture they are given a, a a name child of god that is different than the others that have been called children of god in the past 
Jesus has displayed a new glory upon those that will accept him. He is the full finished work of God. Those that accept him, those are the ones that are truly called children of God. The tragedy today is that many people will hear about Jesus, but few will believe him. The message of Jesus is out there. There's been faithful preachers for a long, long time. There have been unfaithful preachers as well. But there have been those that have told the gospel, that have proclaimed the gospel. There have been people who have, who have shared it with their neighbors and their families. And people have still rejected. But the good news is those who believe in Jesus and receive Him, the riches of God's grace will be poured out on them for all eternity. Grace unto grace. The picture is that God begins to pour out His blessing and His love and His mercy and His grace and He never stops pouring it out. And so if you walk with Jesus, you know that. That He continues to answer prayers. He continues to respond in every situation that we are in. God continues to show His goodness and the fullness of His love in our lives. So now let's look at the incarnation. Uh, one, of the, one of the famous verses in, in the Gospel of John is John chapter 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among men, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. God became man when Jesus came to this earth. There's no other way to understand John chapter 1 without understanding that God became man. Now people try to say that Jesus isn't God. There, there, are, there are whole denominations that say that, but we have to recognize that Jesus is God. That makes everything else that he says important. That makes everything else that he says have more weight than if he was just a prophet or some other person. And the reality is if Jesus isn't God, then we should not believe any of this. It's like Paul said, if Christ is not risen from the dead, we are to be most pitied of all men. The reality is Jesus is God. The Gospel of John declares that. This is a miracle of the first order, and when we understand it, we will rejoice. Throughout all human history, God has been far away in heaven. The Israelites looked to God as, as their maker and creator, their God, but He was high and lifted up on His throne. He was far away. Um, if you look at the pagan peoples around, they had, they had different gods and they, and they called them by all kinds of names, but all of these gods were far away and they were silent. Now, they have some stories about their origins, but they didn't hear from their gods anymore. So gods have always been separate from people, away from people. But the beauty of the incarnation is that God stepped out of heaven and walked into the world. He came to us. Now, we could never go to God. We couldn't be where God is because our sin separated us and we did not know the way. But Jesus came to us and that is the beauty in the picture of the incarnation. One of the things that we have to remember is that Jesus didn't just come to say things. He didn't just come to make miracles. Jesus came to make reconciliation. So many people deny their sins. So many people don't think that, that they are sinful. But what Jesus came to do was to pay the price for that sin. He came to make that way straight between us and the Lord. He came to make that straight. So, there is no other way for us to get to God. And that is also 
very, very important for us to remember. Jesus came to do what he did because no one else could do it. And so in this world today, people think that there's many ways to God, but there is only the one. There is only the way through Jesus. Now, John does give this validation. John, he's talking about John the Baptist, bore witness about him and cried out, this is he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. So John the Baptist is proclaiming who Jesus is as well. And that's important because John would have been popular. People would have known John. And then, of course, John was killed by um, a, a king, which, which elevated, really, the, the, the validity of his, his preaching and his message. And so if John proclaims Jesus to be the Messiah, surely, surely he is. Now, Jesus made his home. Now, the original language here would say um, he, um, he dwelt among us. He tabernacled among us. He made his living. He made his place among us. He lived with us. And that's, that's an important picture there is that God did not come and stand away from us, but he came near to us. That is an example for us to follow. God came near to us. Let us draw near to him. Now, those that truly saw Jesus, that generation that met him face to face, they are blessed. But we can know him as well. We can know who um, Jesus is through the message that he has left. We can know his glory, but we do long for the day when we can see him as he is and when we will be like him. So that is... That is a, a message that John will share in one of his epistles later, but that is a reality, is that John saw Jesus on this earth. He saw Jesus for who he was, but John also lived the rest of his human life, indwelled by the Holy Spirit, but still human. So John even longed for that day when he would see Jesus again, but he would also be like Jesus. Sin would be gone, rebellion would be gone, only that relationship would remain. Now, Jesus is the one that John spoke of, and Jesus is the source of God's grace for us. Now, he mentions that we receive the law through Moses. And as we've studied in Paul's writings, he, he teaches us that, that the law cannot forgive sin, and it can't do away with sin. It can only point it out and condemn it. And so through Moses, we gain the law. But through Jesus, we gain grace and truth. We gain this forgiveness that there is no other way for us to get. There is only one way to know the Father, and that is through the Son. Jesus is revealing Him. Look at the last verse that we read here, verse 18. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, He has made Him known. Jesus is exposing us to God. He is showing us who God is. So as we study the Gospel of John and we get to know Jesus, we are getting to know the Father. But there's only one way to know the Father, and that is through Jesus, the Son. And Jesus will say those very words later, but we need to know, even at this point, this is the only way to know God. People are always looking for some other way, some, some easier way, some different way, something that's more appealing to man but there is nothing but Jesus Christ himself. He is the answer. Jesus is the song that we sing and the message that we proclaim because he saved us and there is no one else worthy of our service and praise. 
So, when we sing these songs about Jesus, we are proclaiming the only one that can bring us to the Father. When we talk to people about Jesus, we are telling them the only way that they can come to God. This is very important. It is critical that people recognize that there is no other way. No other way. Only God. Only through Jesus Christ. And He must be central in our lives. Again, not some part of it, but central. So let's wrap this up. Before there was anything else, there was the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in perfect harmony. We get that from the very beginning of the chapter. In love, all that we know was created through the Son, Jesus Christ. So we know these things, and, and this is what God reveals. God spoke to us through the prophets and kings, uh, but now He sent His only Son with a message of redemption. So God had already sent these messengers. He had sent David, and He had sent Moses, and He had sent Daniel and Jeremiah, and all these people to declare who He is. But in this day, at this moment, He chose to send His Son, Jesus. And that is the message of redemption. And so... He sent this. This message is the only message that leads to salvation. I know I've said that a lot, but it needs to be said. We need to recognize the fact that, that all the other things that people try to substitute for Jesus, they aren't it. If you read Christian articles, if you read things that people are saying nowadays, they put gospel with everything. They say this is a gospel issue and you know, this is gospel love and this is gospel that and gospel this and that and the other. The gospel is Jesus Christ. Him crucified, Him resurrected and us believing. That's the gospel. All this other stuff, it might be important. It might be important, but it is not the gospel and we don't need to get that confused. Jesus has come so that we might believe on Him and be saved. It is that simple. Is it is it easy? Not necessarily. It's not easy to admit that we're sinners. It's not easy to give up direction of our lives to the Lord. But it is that simple. Jesus reveals the Father to us so that we can know Him and be reconciled to Him. So the gospel of Jesus Christ is that Jesus came to bring salvation to all who would believe. God is not playing favorites. He's not choosing sides. One of the big things in this world right now is division. Division over race, division over how much money people have, division. People want to split up over all kinds of things. The New Testament tells us there's only one thing that divides us. The saved and the lost. Jesus came to proclaim that gospel to all. All people need to believe in Jesus Christ. And there's nothing else that divides us. And so as we finish up this sermon this morning and, and as we have come to see Jesus, Jesus is about our salvation. He is about the business that God sent him to be about and he must be the center of our lives. It, the gospel is simple, but it is not easy and it's important for us to recognize that distinction that, that, that we have to give up. We have to turn over. We have to surrender. We have to believe and receive him for who he is. Because He is the almighty maker of everything. He is the author of our salvation. And He is the, both the beginning and the end for us. He is the complete answer. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank You so much for this time. And we thank You for Your Word and what it tells us. And Lord, our heart does break for those that do not know Jesus. 
And I pray that our voices can go out and tell others about Him. People are interested in so many things nowadays. So many things that are temporary. So many things that won't even last past the day. But it seems not nearly enough people are interested in you. The eternal God. The creator of all things. And the saver of our souls. I pray that the way that we talk about Jesus will make people realize how important He is. Because they need to know that He is the only way. Let us remind people of that daily. There's no other thing that we need to talk about. But we do need to talk about Him. So put that on our hearts and on our minds for each and every day. And let us be your messengers, especially now when so few are speaking the truth. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.